Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This week, we're reposting sermons from last week's Bible Conference in Prescott, Arizona. Each day this week, you'll enjoy sermons that were preached in the evening services, plus one morning seminar for our Saturday episode. Even our free subscribers will get a full week of ad-supported episodes. But if you'd like to support world evangelism with early released episodes and an ad-free listening experience, then use the links in the show notes to subscribe today. Thanks for listening, and enjoy today's sermon. I just want to add my welcome. Good to see all of you. We see numbers of you from overseas. This is the first time you've been able to come since COVID, and uh, no doubt you've been looking forward to being in conference. We're going to have a great uh, time this week. God is doing great things in, in our fellowship. I've been traveling all over. Uh, churches are being planted. Off the top of my head, I think in the last four weeks, there's been 46 brand new churches just in the last month. And uh, thank God. So God is expanding. I was, uh, Lisa and I were able to go to uh, Perth, West Australia, first time in four years. Uh, they've been locked down for a number of years in COVID. Fantastic uh, conference numbers of churches planted in Australia, overseas. One that I was very excited about is they uh, launched a a couple into Islamabad, Pakistan. They'll be setting work there, thank God. And uh, so it is is exciting to be a part of what God is going to do. I have been praying, asking God what it is that He wants to do. How many of you know conference is not us telling God what he's supposed to do. We got to find out what he wants to do. And I believe that this week God uh, was speaking to me. I believe this week is going to be an unusual uh, dimension, supernatural encounters with God in a tangible way. Some of you here this week, some of you watching online, there are going to be things shift supernaturally. Some of you had long-term struggles. By the Spirit of God, this week, things are going to change. Some of you have had struggles within yourself that you just can't seem to get over. This week, that will change. Some of you struggles in your ministry or your church. God is going to shift something this week. There are going to be people watching online while they're watching. Some people are going to be getting saved while watching online. Others at home, they're not even going to be here, but the Spirit of God is going to touch them. They're going to make decisions of surrender. This week is going to be a week of clarity. God is going to make things clear to some people. What you should do, God's will for your life. Some of you, it's strategies in particular things that you need to do. And the Holy Spirit is going to be at work powerfully this week. Tonight, this week, there are going to be miracles of healing. I'm telling you, God is going to help us. There's going to be supernatural deliverance. Some of you have gone round and round and round with things that are from hell. God doesn't want that to be a continued cycle. He wants to set you free. This week, the gifts of the Spirit are going to be in operation And then we are going to have miracle money released for the kingdom of God. And when we do that, I I believe in my spirit this week, there are people that God is going to give you miracle breakthroughs personally in your churches as you obey God. This week, 
we're going to plant churches, nations are going to be impacted, and God is going to be glorified. That's what's going to happen this week. Thank God. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to the book of John chapter 4. We're going to look at our uh, conference theme scripture, John chapter 4. Historically in the past, farmers generally would seek out land in areas with abundant rainfall that made it easier to water the, the crops. Dry land areas were often avoided be, simply because of inadequate rainfall. I was reading about a man named Johann Cornelius. He was a, a German Mennonite, had to flee to southern Russia, where there, at that time where he went, there was very little farming simply because of a lack of rain. But Johann Cornelius, he saw potential. He saw that there could be great harvest in the area that uh, he moved to. And so he introduced dry farming techniques that were so successful that the Ukraine became the breadbasket of Europe. The land always could produce harvest, but it took someone with vision to bring that to pass. The text that we're going to read is our conference theme. Jesus tells his followers, lift up your eyes because our vision for the harvest is going to determine whether or not we experience harvest. I want to preach a message simply entitled Harvest. John 4, starting at verse 31, in the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps uh, receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors harvest. Let's begin. Let's talk about eyes for the harvest. In this text, Jesus is actually giving a challenge to his followers. And the challenge is because there's a problem is sometimes Jesus' followers don't love what he loves. Jesus' love is redemption. It is salvation. They are in Samaria at uh, this place and Jesus had said, I must go through Samaria. There's a broken, hurting woman there who needs salvation. That is what Jesus is focused on. The disciples are focused on lunch. <laughs> Nothing wrong with lunch, but their focus on lunch has blinded them to what Jesus loves. So Jesus gives a challenge, and it's a very simple question. Where is your satisfaction in life? 
Because that will tell a lot about where you're at spiritually. And, and in life, verse 32, he said, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Let me ask you tonight, what is it that consumes your time, your energy, your money? What is it you think about during the day and dream about at, at night? Do you care more about money? Do you care more about sports, your Twitter feed, your Instagram page, than what Jesus loves, which is salvation? I had an honest disciple ask me some months back, and he made this statement, I'm more passionate about making money than I am about my calling. That is what Jesus is saying here. I have food you don't even understand. Do you love salvation? Do you love people getting saved? This is the great puzzle to me is when people leave our churches. And then you hear they're going to another church and they say, oh, at this church, they have programs. Oh, there are programs. And the worship you were with us, people were getting saved and that meant nothing to you? It's probably just as well you're not with us then. What do you love? See, our outreach reports, our baptisms, our celebrations, because that is what we should love, salvation. Here in Prescott, some years back, we had a young man before he was saved, he was mad at us for some reason, broke in one night in the middle of the night with a can of gasoline and tried to burn the church down. Thank God he was a better musician than he was an arsonist. <laughs> Not able to do that. Wound up getting arrested, did time in prison for this. But when he got out of prison, he wanted to come to church, he got saved. And then he got baptized. Now to him, I'm sure right now he's, he's cringing right now. But when he got baptized, he was filled with shame. He thought we were going to be angry. And he, and he said, uh, I'm the guy who tried to burn the church down. And we cheered, yes! <laughs> like, not because we wanted him to burn the church down. But isn't that how good God is? That is like God, the, the Apostle Paul, one who hated the faith, now becomes a man of God. Listen, that, we celebrate salvation. Listen, in our church, where else in the world do we celebrate drug addicts? We're excited about drug addicts because we love salvation. That's what Jesus wants to know. What is it that you love? Because when we focus on the wrong things, we are blinded to the harvest. Ananias and Sapphira in the middle of an absolutely incredible outpouring of harvest, they became consumed with financial self-interest. It was more about money than what God was doing in saving people. It can be that we get weary in the harvest. 2 Thessalonians 2.13, be not weary 
in well-doing, or some translation says, don't get tired of doing good. It's hard work. You're giving out, as Jesus said, virtue has gone out of me. There are people you have come crawling in. You are bone-weary from giving out and laboring and trying to do God's will. Some of you, you've suffered disappointments and violations and defections. And so what happens is you start looking at people very differently than the way Jesus does. Thousands of people came, multitudes came, and when Jesus saw them, he saw them, he's moved with compassion because he saw hurting people that didn't have any direction. The disciples saw the same crowd, but they said, Lord, send them away. These people are going to be a hassle to us. So Jesus says the answer is focus. Verse 35, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. We need to lift up our eyes and see the need of harvest. Harvest is people. There are human lives who are in need. This is what we have to remember. It's not just numbers, it's lives. I was reading about a therapist. She was counseling a teenage girl and she was stunned when this girl rolled up her sleeve and on her arm she had with a razor blade carved the word empty into her arm because that is how she felt inside. There are people that are empty and they're hurting. Jesus says you need to see that. It's estimated more than 16 million people died last year without ever hearing about Jesus Christ one time. You say, that's not fair. You're right, that's not fair. Jesus says, lift up your eyes. Do you see the need? Lift up your eyes. We need to see the passing nature of harvest. Verse 35, the fields are already white for harvest. You know, there have been places and nations where there was a a, a season of harvest. It was ripe for harvest, but the season passed. Openness was lost. You know, after World War II, General Douglas MacArthur, he knew that the Japanese people, they believed that the emperor was a god. Their their entire world had been shattered in every way. He sent out an appeal, send missionaries, because they will be open now. But not many people were interested in going to Japan. They were more interested in prospering. You know what happened is there came a time when when Japan at, at, at one point in time was considered one of the hardest harvest fields in the world. Because the field that was white, it shifted. China, there was a time when in many of our conferences, we were launching workers as fast as we could into China because we understood that that iron door that swings open and allowed us a season of opportunity. It may not last, and it didn't. We need to lift up our eyes and see the possibilities of harvest. Jesus said they're white already. Do you know that 
one outreach, one church plant, one witness has the potential to trigger a wave of revival, to do more than just getting that person that you witnessed to saved. In the late 1960s, a man named Chuck Smith, his wife was urging him, hearing about these young people called hippies. They, we have to do something to reach them. They asked their daughter, do you know any hippies? We want to talk to one. And she just happened to meet a young hippie brought into the house. That encounter did more than just touch that young man. That encounter triggered a wave of revival, not only in their church, but in Southern California, all across America. We felt the impact of what happened when somebody came in contact with someone for the gospel. So we need to see possibilities. Jesus said, lift up your eyes. Some of you in conference this week, what we need is a refocus. Maybe it is that your prayer this week is, God, help me to fall in love with harvest again. Help me to fall in love with salvation again. God, no longer is it thrilling when I see a, a broken life respond to an altar call. God, you've got to help. If you don't have a love for harvest, ask God, because surely that would be a prayer request that God would love to answer. In Australia during World War I, so many men had responded to the call of the military. Nobody was left to gather in the grain harvest and a great wheat harvest rotted in the fields because it was a case of reap or rot. The fields are white on the harvest and Jesus says we need to see that. Let's talk secondly about participation in harvest because in this text, Jesus says God is doing something but he says, you and I have to participate if we're going to reap a harvest. We participate in harvest, first of all, when we pray. Matthew 9 is the companion scripture. It goes hand in hand with John 4. And Matthew 9, 38, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Harvest is accomplished by prayer. As one man said, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. Because harvest is a miracle dimension. It's not a program. If you came to our conference looking for techniques, you're missing it. It's not a technique, it's a miracle. That is what has to happen. Harvest requires something beyond human efforts. We need something supernatural. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, 
and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Prayer prepares the ground. It gets people ready for the harvest of salvation. When you and I pray for places that we're not even there yet, God will go to work making people dissatisfied with their sin, arranging circumstances, bringing conviction of sin. Lisa and I have pioneered twice two different nations and both times it it, it, it was awesome to step in. We stepped in to a harvest. There were people that it was so clear they were ready. Beyond our efforts, God had already been at work. Prayer prepares laborers for the harvest. Pray to the Lord of harvest that he would send out laborers. I've been praying this week that or, or before this conference, that this week, God is going to stir some people. Some of you came, I'm going to hear some sermons, I'm going to stay where I'm at, I don't, I'm not going to go, but I'm believing that God's going to stir you. We're praying that God will break in on people, that they'll hear God's voice. We pray that God will guide people to the place of harvest that God has prepared. When Lisa and I first were launched out in 1986. I was launched out of the church in Perth, West Australia. I was at a disadvantage. I was not an Aussie. I had never been anywhere except for a few small towns in West Australia. So I had no place where family was, where I went to school or surfed. I had not. I wasn't from there. God was not speaking in an audible voice telling me where to go. So finally, we pulled out an atlas, which young people got to explain. It was a book on paper. It had information you could read about cities. And I, you know, long story, but logic, finally chose, talked to some people. So God wasn't saying, so we, finally we said, all right, Launceston, Tasmania, it was about 10.30 in the morning. We said, we're going to go to Launceston, Tasmania, a place that we had never been. An hour and a half later, we're having lunch with someone. And the lady says, I have been praying for Launceston, Tasmania. We need a church there. Two nights later, we're at a fellowship and a man says to me, I've had a burden for Launceston, Tasmania. Somebody needs to go to Launceston. Do you know I picked that out of a book? Not any, meeny, miny, mo. That was God. God was preparing something. That's what prayer does. 
We participate in harvest through laborers. Verse 38, others have labored and you have entered into their labors. If we're going to have harvest, laborers have got to go. Ruth 2, verse 2, Ruth said to Naomi, please let me go into the field and glean grain. Matthew 22, 20, verse 2, he sent them into the vineyard. And 20, verse 4, you also go into the vineyard. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, the average church prays for God to save, and then they sit in church and wait for people to get saved. That would be like a farmer praying for harvest and then waiting at the grain silo. That is not how harvest comes. There has to be laborers. Evangelism is participating in harvest. In our fellowship, we preach. We're trying to get every believer to open their mouths where the harvest is. At school, at work, in shops or parks or neighborhoods. We go on outreach. We go to where the sinners are or we find ways to attract sinners. There was a man named Willie Sutton. He was a bank robber. He kept robbing banks and getting arrested. And finally, the reporter asked him, said, Willie, why do you rob banks? And he looked at the man like he was an idiot. He said, because that's where the money is. (laughs) Why do we go on the streets? Why do we go to the parks? Why do we knock on doors? Because that's where the sinners are. (laughs) Man. (laughs) And then church planting is sending laborers into the harvest where the harvest is. Luke 4, 43 He said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. When we send workers where God has already prepared hearts like Lydia whose heart the Lord opened in Acts 16, 14. When we plant churches, we are establishing dominion in new areas. Church planting brings about a spiritual shift. Luke 10, 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, Satan lost ground. When people go in evangelism, Jesus says something shifted. To you, it was an outreach. To you, you're looking at who responded, who didn't respond. You're looking at the numbers in your church plant. But Jesus says Satan loses ground when we plant churches. There's an issue of dominion being established. We plant churches because we're putting workers into position to retain the coming supernatural harvest. I believe the Bible teaches that God is going to give us a mighty last day's revival. It will go beyond our efforts. That God will sweep people into the kingdom. You know, in the Jesus movement, it wasn't just our church that our fellowship that got people saved. Young people were flooding into every kind of church. But you know what? I don't know what other churches believe. I know what we believe. I don't know what other churches will do with the converts that come in a last day's revival, but I know what we will do. There are people this week in conference, pastors you have never 
planted a church. It's, it's just not, not time yet. You're waiting for perfect circumstances. You're waiting for the perfect worker like you were. Come on, you ever doubt that? Look back at old pictures when you got sent out. Who in their right mind would send them? Ecclesiastes 11.4, the New Century Version, those who wait for perfect weather will never plant seeds. Those who look at every cloud, they will never harvest crops. Some of you, you planted a church a long time ago, but you haven't in many years. Church planting isn't something you try, it's our calling. It's who we are, that's our purpose. Keep planting, that is God's command. Some have planted churches and you had workers return or you had workers go bad. You've had some losses, so you stopped planting. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I cannot promise that every worker you send will be fruitful. Can't do it. But I can promise you 100% guarantee that 100% of all those you never plant, they will never see a harvest on the field. The only way we're going to know is if we launch. Let's be honest. Some of you, the reason why you're not planting churches, it's just because of your pride. You're terrified that somebody's going to ask you, hey, how's your guide doing that you plant? You're afraid somebody's going to criticize you. But listen, who cares? The need. If you'd lift up your eyes and see the need, if you'd see what what could happen in one church plant, that is our calling. I'm believing this week there are people God's going to stir you. Plant churches. Send laborers into the harvest. Let's look at one final thought. I want to talk about reaping the harvest. Our text reveals that harvest is a partnership. Jesus says we join together with others to accomplish a harvest. Verse 37, in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. You hear all week people will talk in reports or they'll mention in sermons fellowship. I thank God for the fellowship. That word fellowship means partnership. Joint sharing, joint rowing, doing this together. Romans 10, 14 and 15, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? How can they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Pastor Campbell was talking in his offering. Thank God for people that sent that backed financially so he and Connie could go on their different ministry ventures because it's a partnership. Everyone has a part to play in harvest. Verse 37, in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. The wrong idea is that harvest is for disciples or harvest is for pastors. We all may have different roles, but everyone should play a part in harvest. 
All should pray. All should give. All should witness personally. Some will support outreaches that they're not running simply to help and establish dominion. Some will initiate or lead outreaches. All should welcome visitors and new converts. Some should follow up. Some should go. It's a partnership. How dare you not be involved in some way in the harvest? Because Jesus says it takes more than one. We have to do this together. In our text, Jesus says, if we would lift up our eyes and participate in harvest, there is a promise of a miracle dimension beyond our efforts. Verse 38, I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. We can understand sowing and reaping. Plant some seed, get some fruit. We, we can get that. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about more than cause and effect of you personally. The need is so great. The time is so short. We need a supernatural dimension that is beyond human effort. Ruth 2.16 Let fall handfuls on purpose for her and leave them that she may glean. This is, this is a picture of God as the master of the harvest. He gives instructions. Listen, she is working. That's good. Gleaning is good. Finding how can we get harvest here, there, little bits and pieces. That's great. But the master of the harvest, he says, you got bundles. I want you to go, oops. So that she would find piles. Deliberately dump some. I'm talking about a miracle dimension. God can do supernatural miracles to bring salvation. I've seen people come in strange ways that are not connected to our labors. I've seen new converts get saved and fill churches. I've seen miracles that cause other people to be saved. I was pastoring in Australia and had someone, how did you come? I was walking down the street on a windy day. A piece of paper was blowing down the street. It landed on my shoe and stopped. And when I picked it up, it said, arise and go down to the potter's house. <laughs> How did you come? My car broke down right in front. I came looking for somebody to help me get my car going and they got salvation. We had a lady in Prescott some months back. Pastor Diego told me she was searching on YouTube for Harry Potter movies. And what she came across was the Potter's House, which I don't know if Harry lives here, but looking for Harry Potter, she found the Potter's House and came and got saved. That is beyond human effort. See, God will do miracles for people who take harvest serious. Ruth 2.7, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now. Listen, if we will lift up our eyes, if we will pray, if we'll see harvest like God sees, if we'll labor in evangelism and plant churches, I believe that God wants to give us incredible revival 
beyond our personal labors. There are churches that will be planted in cities where others have prayed for years, where others labored without success in times past, and yet Jesus said you can enter into other people's labors. The nation of Malawi, David Livingston, did not see numerical success for all of his years of labor in that nation. More than 150 years later, Reinhard Bonnke was holding a crusade. Blantyre, Malawi, 150,000 people attended. Tens of thousands were saved. Reinhard Bonnke said the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, you are walking on the tears of former generations. That is God. It's not just what you do. It's what people in the past have done. And now... If you would lift up your eyes, God says, I can do miracles. I close with this story. In the early 1970s, the nation of Afghanistan, the Afghan government allowed a small Christian church to be established only to serve foreigners who were working in Afghanistan Afghans were forbidden to attend that church. A man named Len, he had a group of teenagers. They were musical. They would hold concerts. They would travel. By an incredible miracle, they were invited to do a concert in Kabul in the nation of Afghanistan. The man leading this, he understood the dangers, and so he told every teenager, normally they give testimonies, whatever, you know, would pop into their head, they could say over the mic, he said, listen to me, I want you to write down whatever you think you might say, write it down, I want to see it, I want to prove it, don't go off script. They held the concert, a thousand Afghans crowded into a theater, everything was going well until... A teenager got excited and started improvising. I'd like to tell you about my best friend, a man named Jesus, and the difference he made in my life. From the side of the stage, Lynn was motioning wildly. Teenager just ignored him and went on telling him, giving a detailed account of how God had transformed his life. This man, Lynn, he said, I sat with my head in my hands waiting for the sword to drop. But instead, the most amazing thing happened. The minister of cultural affairs walked to the stage, took the microphone, and said, we've seen many American young people come to this country. Most of them came for drugs. But you're different. God's love is a message my country needs. He said, I invite you to extend your stay so you can visit every university in Kabul and give this message we want you to do... Tell this message over Kabul radio. Over the next few days, they held other performances. After each event, young Afghan uh, uh, teens and young people, they would crowd around with questions. Tell me more about this Jesus. You speak of a personal relationship with God. Can you describe it? How does it change your life? Some of them asked if they could pray with these young people. Nothing like it had been seen in Afghanistan. On the last day that they were there in Kabul, 
a Christian took this group of young people to the only cemetery where infidels, non-Muslims, could be buried. He walked up to an ancient gravestone and he pointed at it. He said, this man worked here for 30 years translating the Bible into Afghan language. Not a single convert in 30 years. The next gravestone, this is the man that took his place. He labored for 25 years before he baptized the first Afghan Christian. As he walked among the gravestones, he told the stories of early missionaries and what happened to them. And then he turned to these young people, looked them in the eye. He said, for 30 years, one man moved rocks. That's all he did. Then came his replacement and all he did was dig furrows. Then came another one who planted seeds. Then another one who watered. And now you young people are bringing in the harvest. Amen. Because that is the will of God. We're gathered this week, the theme of our conference, we're focused. My challenge to you is what Jesus said, lift up your eyes. Oh, if you would fall in love with harvest again. If you would fall in love with salvation, the thrill of lives being transformed by the gospel, becoming men and women of God as God works in their lives. If we would get stirred for evangelism, planting churches, and investing in the work of God this week in prayer, in giving, I am telling you, God says together, that we can reap a mighty harvest. How many of you believe that? Thank God. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes all across this place. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.